All right, so this is the first episode of Movies Across the Pond. Here we have myself, Carson, and my friend, Jan, all the way from Scotland. Yes, sir. I'm here in Texas, and we're just going to talk about some movies that we see. Figured this is a great time to start this podcast now that um, theaters are starting to open up again in a lot of places. And... First big blockbuster that's come out since all the shutdowns is Tenet. So Christopher Nolan's big movie, Tenet, which for a while didn't have its release date pushed back at all because he really wanted it to be the first one of the summer. And it did get pushed back a bit, but it is still the first one that's come out in most places. And we both got the opportunity to see it. So Leading up to this, what were your thoughts? Like, what were your expectations for this? We're both big fans of Christopher Nolan. So what were you kind of expecting? Well, I think unlike you, I hadn't seen the trailer. Um, I knew it was a Christopher Nolan's. I loved it. Dark Knight's my favorite series um, of all time, I think, trilogy. Um, So I I was like, high expectations for that. But to be honest... It wouldn't have been a type of film I would have gone and seen in normal times. Um <laughs> but because it was the only one, I was like, Well, be as well. So I mean they weren't they weren't low, but they weren't like massively high, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I I saw it I think my favorite movie is Interstellar, mm-hmm. which is another Nolan movie from what six years ago now. And I don't know if anything will beat that for me for a long time because I've always loved space. So that just really went yeah, yeah. interests. And this one, I didn't expect to like it as much as that. I don't expect to like anything as much as that. But being Christopher Nolan, I knew that I would go into it and probably think this is a pretty complex idea. And you really need to pay attention. But in the end, once I understood it all, it would be really, really good. And I think in in the end, it was a great film. Um, I don't know if it's, like I said, it's it's definitely not my favorite of his films. No. Um, Maybe not not even my second favorite. I I recently saw the Inception re-release for the 10th anniversary in IMAX. And that was great to see that again on the big screen as it's meant to be. And I don't know if this one quite um, is at that level because I think it's maybe a bit more of a targeted or a niche audience. Like it doesn't appeal as much to so many people. You know what I'm saying? Well, you know, I I think, I don't think it would have the, the clout, the, uh, the, uh, the overall, Talk, like how do you say it? Uh, how do you put it? You know, um, notoriety, not notoriety. Oh, there's a, what's the word I'm looking for? I can't think of it. <laughs> Credibility. Well, it, it wouldn't be. I don't think it. We it would be as big. At least it wouldn't have been in my periphery. Had it had it been in normal times before all the COVID stuff, um, I would definitely not have gone and seen this film. Probably. Uh-huh. I uh, think there's so. definitely a good advertising point for them. It just kind of worked out that way. Yeah. Um, But at the same time, there's still so many places where theaters aren't open and the ones that are, are limited. And 
a lot of people I heard the box office is not that good. But what can you expect of anything during this time? So Well, I mean I mean in here in, in the UK at the moment the, the theaters aren't even open. I mean I saw it in Norway, so um mm-hmm. they're not even open here yet. So the people in the UK haven't even had a chance to see it. So that you, all that audience a trip just to go to a, a yeah. <laughs> Shows you how really a hundred dollars for the round trip and the movie <laughs> ticket, but uh, I still didn't get good seats. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, luckily, um, the AMC theaters here have opened up again, and I have the A list subscription, which has worked out great. Um, so once it was open, like once I got a notification that it was opening and they were selling tickets, I was right on it, and um. I think it definitely was a great movie. Like mm-hmm. I said, not one of my favorite Nolan films, but definitely every one of his films is absolutely amazing in my opinion. And it's definitely some of my more favorite movies. You know, you can pick any one of his and I think they're at least like a seven or an eight out of 10. Well, I think one of the things Nolan does is that even if you're not particularly into that genre of film, he makes films entertaining from the start. And mm-hmm. he, it is gripping, and it may not be a film I will probably go. I'll watch again. That's my would be my opinion. But when I watched it, I enjoyed it. Uh huh. I think um, what's special about Nolan is that he does a very good job at getting a movie to be more than just the the plot itself. Like it's also has some kind of not a subplot, but like a subtext to it. Like um like a personal story that you can get out of it. Like he's mm-hmm. his movies have some kind of father daughter relationship. Um, like the prestige, like interstellar, like um, inception. So he has that kind of element to it that a lot of people can relate to something that's a bit more realistic than some of the wild science fiction or uh, superhero ideas that he's got going on. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would agree to that. Um, I, I, yeah, no, I'd agree. I, I think, I think te- definitely Tenet. Um, yeah, no, I'd agree with that. It was interesting here in this one. The main character was not the one with the child, and it was sort of a mother-son relationship with one of the supporting characters rather than his usual father-daughter. So yeah. I don't know if he purposely just tried to change it up or that's just the way this, the story worked out. But um, it was definitely a bit different than his usual because the family story was not the main characters. Although the main character does develop... Uh, I was going to say they have, a, they have an important role on the plot, though. Right, right. It's integral to the story and the main character known as the protagonist. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) One name. (laughs) Yeah. uh, The the protagonist has uh, develops like a relationship with the mother and not with the son because the son's hardly in the movie, but he develops an emotional attachment to protecting the son and the mother. Yeah. Um, So one of the things I noticed while watching it was just as a Christopher Nolan film in general, 
I knew it was going to be complex. You have to pay attention. So right from the start, I was ready to pay attention to all the details. Mm-hmm. A couple things that you could recognize is foreshadowing. And normally, I don't really, I don't get a lot of foreshadowing the first time watching things, unless it's like pretty obvious where like the camera will hover for a minute on an object. So, you know, that object's going to come up later. And they did that with um, a couple of things in this, like the the piece of the, um, for anyone listening, there will be spoilers in this. So <laughs> point on, we will be talking about details of the movie. So there will be spoilers. So in the beginning, um, in the, the opera scene, right? They had a couple shots where you could see a piece of the uh, algorithm, right? The piece of the machine that the guy in the beginning had. And then you see the um, when the protagonist noticed the inverted bullet when he was fighting in the auditorium. And then the guy who saved him was the guy with the red tag on his backpack, right? So it would, it made a point to show those things on the camera. So I knew that must have been something I had to pay attention to. And the algorithm comes up about halfway through the film, you start to really understand it, right? So you see, I actually didn't even notice some of that. <laughs> <laughs> it shows you my attention to detail. <laughs> you gotta have to be ready for a Nolan film. Really do. Yeah. Um, it it's the kind of cinema that benefits from watching multiple times because you'll notice new things every time. And even with some of his older movies, like The Prestige or Inception, I've watched many many times, and I still notice new things. Yeah. Um, but with this one, like I knew I had to be ready. So I did notice those things, whereas normally I might, I might not have. Um, and there's one thing I want to talk about is that the movie from the beginning is pretty confusing. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean... It's going through and you're thinking, I know this is a Nolan movie and I know it should be pretty good. And... It's been so long since I've been to a theater, so I'm excited anyway. But I'm like sitting there like this is confusing. I don't know if this all these complex details are going to pay off for me or if it's just going to stay confusing. But then halfway through. Everything makes sense and it goes from this is really confusing to this is really awesome. You know, the part I'm talking about. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I. For a Christopher Nolan film to begin with, it's probably the most confusing one I've watched of his. I mean, to be fair, I, I, I probably haven't seen as many as you have, but I, the ones I've seen, this is definitely the most confusing. Um, because of the whole time, like the changes within, like, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the jumping from times and stuff like that. Right. Like, and if you're just passively watching it, you're, ne- you're not going to understand. And to be honest, like, I don't think I. I maybe took in as much as I should have taken in from it. If right. I, I definitely, even though I was paying attention, I had to go online and like look up what did this mean or what did other yeah. people think, you know, explain this. Well, like and, I said, I, I looked up this today. I, I looked up and I was like, well, it, it, there was like a, a feat, like a, 
uh, a bit that said like, oh yeah, there's um the the dead soldier, you know, and they're um they're stopping yeah. the explosion. Yeah, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. that that was uh, Neil, one of the, the, the right. Guy that was the red in the backpack from the theater scene. Yeah, and I didn't see that in the film. This movie's I was fun, right? It's like two and a half hours, and throughout the course of it, at the beginning, I was like, okay, a backpack. He's got that red tag, and yeah. because the movie's so grand. The scale so big it just takes a long time. You forget about it, right? Well, there's so much and, that happens between then and then that you're just like, oh. And that doesn't happen until that's like the very end, right? Like yeah. the last 15 minutes. Yeah. And then you see they're they're at the very end of the basically what they're trying to prevent, the climax. So they don't want the algorithm to be like locked away and hidden. So that the people in the future can find it, right? Yeah, yeah. That's what they're trying to stop from happening. And then the soldier, the dead soldier, comes back to life and then helps them out. You see, he has the red tag on his bag. And once I saw it, I immediately remembered because I was like, oh, that's the same guy. And then, of course, a few minutes later, you find out that it's Neil. Yeah, the guy played by Robert Patterson. Yeah, he's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I like the I like the idea that the protagonist at the end of it, um, he's sort of the guy who's like orchestrated it all that anyway. He went from the guy who knew the least about it to yeah, the guy who started it all really. <laughs> well, he started and, the whole thing, didn't he? Really? Yeah. Yeah. So, um. At the moment where it all made sense to me was the part where they had um I forget the woman's name, the mother, the uh, the, the Russian's wife. Um it's not Kat, is it? Kat Kat. Seder's wife. Yeah. Um Kat, I think yeah, it's Kat. Kat yeah. Yeah. And um she when she was shot, when they had them at the turnstiles there. Oh yeah. Um, and they got there and they were like having that conversation on either side of the turnstile. And you could tell that the other side, the side with Seder was inverted. Mm-hmm. Right. Because he was going backwards and the sound would be backwards before his mouthpiece or whatever, before the, the microphone would switch it around. And then the protagonist would hear it and he would answer. And then you'd hear the, reverse speech come out the other end so you knew that at that point that was like the meeting point and once it got in there and then the like the special forces guys came in and they knew about all this stuff and they started explaining it right and you start understanding it a bit more and then he's like oh but she's been shot with an inverted bullet so what if we inverted her again would that like undo the inversion of the bullet and help her? And they're like, yeah, that could work. So they go through it and it's real quick because he's trying to save the day right then and there, right? He wants to go after Seder right as he gets out and they're explaining everything to him and the temporal pincer move and everything. And that's that's when I realized this stuff all is is starting to make sense. Which pieces are inverted, which people are going forward in time, and stuff like that. 
And then once it dawned on me that he was about to go back out and basically repeat the entire sequence that we saw Mm -hmm. would be in the place of the inverted characters that we saw, the inverted cars and stuff like that, that we had just seen over the last 20, 30 minutes. And at that moment, I was like, okay, I'm ready. Let's go. This looks like it'll be pretty cool. No, it's it's it, it. I have to say, it was it's a really neat idea. The whole concept of that, like, mm-hmm. yeah. I no, I I I like I like the concept of the uh, of the reverse. Uh, how do you put the inversion? Inversion. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, that I I like I like the, that concept. I mean, it's it's not it's not. I've never seen any film like who's tried that before i know there is films who have done that before and um, that's the first one oh. i've watched and like i said i i there was bits of it that i was a bit confused at and i was kind of like i don't know what's going on <laughs> yeah there's definitely some clarification that i could still use even after looking it up yeah uh, there's some that was explained by looking it up already but like i'm personally excited to see it again i have another friend who wants to watch it so why not but yeah. um it is um it is something that while I was watching it, I was thinking, this is such an incredible idea and such a difficult idea to make look good on a work. Yeah. And I was thinking like nobody else could have made this movie except Christopher Nolan. And other <laughs> people other people could have made this script into a movie but it probably would have been like a like a low budget independent film that ends up on netflix that's people rate like a five out of ten you know just because nobody else had the the trust of a studio to make that concept at that budget you know what i'm saying well and i definitely think as well it's such a niche type of genre as you said um that it, it it has to be to attract a wider you know group of people you have to have eight big actors and to be fair they had some very good actors in it and mm-hmm. they also have to have a good director like Christopher Nolan to attract because then it gets to people who you know who may be interested in the Batman films or like Dunkirk or stuff like that who may not necessarily watch something like this like sci-fi type of right. film um, like I mean, I know my mom. My mom would never go and see this film. Uh, would never watch this film like on Netflix or you know like that. I mean, again, because it was the only film, she went and watched it. But it, it she was interested in it because it, it was just good. It was well made. It was. It was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're right. Christopher Nolan was the right guy to do it. Yeah, uh, like nobody could have gotten the support from a, a producer or a studio to make a movie at that budget of that concept so i thought i thought that was interesting because i was just watching it like you know i i don't think it's it's not my favorite movie i don't think it's the best but no it's the fact that he could pull this off and it makes sense you know maybe it doesn't make sense right away or maybe it's still a bit confusing but once you take the time to think about it and notice everything in it then it's like it's an incredible movie, without a doubt. It's absolutely oh, visually, it's, it's, it's an great. achievement, whether you understood it all or not. Yeah, 
Well, I mean, I didn't feel like, I mean, um, I actually didn't pay for the ticket this time. It was my dad. <laughs> but I felt like I got my dad's money's worth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would definitely say so. Um, there's a, a theory that I was, I read that I don't know if I believe it, but I think it's a bit of a stretch. But there were some people online saying that, remember the child, Cat's child? His oh, name. He's like kissing or hugging at the end. Hugging at the end, sorry. Yeah, the boy. Yeah. Um, his name is Max, right? He's hardly in the film, but he's mentioned a lot, right? Because yeah, that's yeah, yeah. driving force is her son. His name is Max. And the full French name, as as you would know, speaking French is Maximilien. <laughs> Maximilien. L I E N at the end, which backwards is Neil. Ah. So Neil is the reverse of the four letters of Maximilian. But I think it's a bit of a stretch just because you'd have to assume the name is in French. And yeah. I don't <laughs> the characters, I can't recall if the characters specifically said, oh, he's got a French name or like, because well, I, I don't, Seder is Russian and she's British, right? So yeah. I, I don't know why he would have a French name, but um, well, I mean, I, I guess that's uh, quite, quite a funny one idea. Has, has always done is he does usually put a lot of small hidden, hidden details in names of characters, like all the main characters in um, Inception, their um, initials spell out dreams, right? Okay, um, there's also the, the theory that in Interstellar, Joseph Cooper, he never mentions his first name in the movie, Joseph, but Joseph Cooper are the initials JC and there's a lot of allusions to Jesus and the 12 disciples. So, okay, so yeah, yeah, yeah. because he does do that with names, so I, it wouldn't shock me, but he never confirms these theories, you know, so they're always theories. But, um, well, I... That, that- Another problem is that it would mean that Neil ends up spending so much time inverted. I mean, he's a kid. Yeah. As a kid. And if it's the same person as Neil, he would have had to spend basically his whole life. He would have had to spend however many years inverted to get back to that point. Right. Or he'd have to spend his whole life constantly going in and out of the turnstiles so that he stays around that time period. And that seems like a, pretty stretch boring life if you ask me but um yeah but it's it's certainly something people are talking about and you know i don't think there's anything in the movie that specifically writes that off but personally i think that's a bit well i didn't think about that to be honest i mean it's quite a nice idea that that would be yeah i I didn't think about it i just read online i was like oh yeah okay (laughs) but i mean yeah, I mean, and also because of the whole, like you said, like Christopher Nolan, like he likes to hide things in it. You know that, like the name is obviously a reflection of the storyline, like Tenet, which, uh, like again, I think was, you know, ten meeting ten, like the two stories. Right, it's a palindrome, so it's the same forwards and and backwards. Yeah. So the title itself is a temporal pincer, if you will. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, like the whole movie is. Which is, is, I didn't even think about that. That's actually a nice little, yeah. Again, it's Christopher Nolan. Well, Christopher Nolan. 
Mm -hmm. I did read a while ago, back when like the first trailers for the movie came out, mm -hmm. reading about some of the immediate theories, and some people were saying like maybe Tenet goes back further into like historical secret organizations. I don't think it was like that big of a thing, but the word Tenet has been used in the past as different like puzzles or um i it's been a while since i read these theories so it's just like <laughs> there have been philosophers who have used that word to describe some strange ideas and stuff before i think so it's it's not like a new concept that he came up with well yeah i mean i just i just thought it was pretty neat when i found out i felt like i was discovering something <laughs> Uh -huh. I was like, oh. <laughs> another thing i noticed i did hear this theory from before the movie came out that some people were saying the color coding shows you who's going forwards and who's going backwards oh. and remember in the end of the film the two military teams they've got the red team and the blue team yeah. right red is the ones inverted is that correct or was it blue um i don't remember <laughs> yeah but one of them is forward and one of them's backwards right okay he specifically used the colors on the uniforms so they could identify each other that way in the final battle and throughout the movie you see those colors like the in the clothing that cat's wearing people notice this in the trailers there are scenes with her wearing red and there are scenes with her wearing blue and it's not just like happens to be that because it clearly matches up like when you see her inverted on the highway in the car with Seder during the middle of the movie mm -hmm. she's wearing the color that's associated with back in time going backwards inversion and earlier in the movie when the protagonist first meets her or when she's at dinner or something she's wearing the color for forwards in time and that's, you know, that's hard to pick up on because you got to really pay attention to their clothing. But one thing I did notice was the lighting in the turnstile room at the the meeting point in the middle of the film when she got shot. Yeah. The light on either side of the room was red and blue, and it had to do with the direction that they were traveling. Uh, right. So the protagonist comes in. He's normal. And I think it's red was the one going forward. He's red. And then on the other side of the turnstile is Seder, who's inverted, and his room is lit blue. So I did notice that much because I had heard this theory before the movie started. I see. I, I didn't even pick up on that. <laughs> I was, I was, uh, I'm, I'm all in films, always people say that, like, you know, you need to look for like the color colors symbolize something in films and it's like i miss it every single time <laughs> yeah usually i do but the last few months you know since nobody's really been able to do anything i've been watching so many youtube videos yeah about <laughs> things like this and i i start to notice um some details a bit better now but in this is something you could watch twice and get a lot better or if you go online and look up some spoiler free yeah uh, details like what should i be looking for in this movie then maybe you could get some advice or if you've seen it and you want to see it again you've seen it you can look up theories 
that spoil the plot because you've already seen it. So go online, do some research, and maybe it'll make more sense just by doing some research. If you really want to see it again, you can always do that and notice those things as you watch them. Well, I think so, I think this is a film which needs to be watched twice. Like, I mean, I've only watched it once. I probably won't be getting to see it for a little while because of the COVID problems in the UK mm-hmm. and them not reopening theaters. But I would probably, I would probably quite like to see it again, um, just to pick up on little things like that that I would have missed. Mm-hmm. Definitely, I think it's it's worth watching twice. Just for the yeah, I I certainly want to see it again, and. I think if anyone, I mean, we've spoiled it enough times. So if anyone's made it this far in the podcast, I guess they've probably seen it or they don't care about spoilers. But maybe knowing the stuff that we've talked about, we could go back and watch it again and maybe have a better appreciation for some of the details that Christopher Nolan and his movies that you might not notice the first time around. But you said it as well. You said that, you know, you've watched films you can watch films multiple times and you'll always pick up something different in his films, like something new. Um, Definitely. Even um, the one I've seen the most is probably the prestige because I like it so much and it's, you know, one of his older movies. So it's been around longer and I've seen it so many times. And even the last time my, my brother pointed out to me, this is a spoiler for, the prestige if you haven't seen it you should definitely see it but here's a spoiler the characters die the same way that their wives do right so um hugh jackman's character dies from drowning right that's yeah. how he, he kills his clone every time and that's how his wife dies in the beginning of the film she drowns in the escape tank which is actually he drowns in the escape tank as well right and then, um, what's the, oh, darn, what's the guy's name? The Batman actor, Christian oh, uh, Bale. Christian Bale. Bale's yeah. character dies by hanging. He's hangs as a result of his crimes, right? That he didn't actually commit, of course, right? Yeah. But hanged to death, and his wife hanged herself in suicide. And I never realized that connection between the character and their wife until I think the most recent time I watched it a year ago or so, my brother pointed out and I was like, Oh my gosh. (laughs) I was still impressed by that movie. Just the details that come out again and again, I've probably seen that six, seven, eight times. I don't know, but I had never noticed that before. And that seems like a pretty, major detail you know because that's about the death of four main characters but you see you're not necessarily when you're watching a film like that you're not necessarily looking for that especially on your first viewing you're definitely not looking for that you're trying to keep uh, up with the plot and especially something like tenet which is you need to be concentrating on the plot you're not necessarily looking for little connections and things like that if you know what right I'm and, and you don't need to you can still get what you need out of the movie you can still yeah. get the main plot I think where that helps is that it's just, it makes the movie that much more special, more yeah. interesting, and importantly, it makes it timeless. So you can keep watching it and it gets better over time because you notice more things. Whereas if you got it all the first time around, 
you don't get as much out of another viewing. But if there's details that you can still notice, then you can you still get something out of watching it again. You know, you're not just watching the movie again. You're still learning something new. Yeah, right. I mean, and, and that's the thing as well. It's, one, it's an indicator of a good film when you actually want to go and find out these little things. Like, you know, films that are not necessarily particularly interesting or good, you're never going to go and look up you know, you, or you won't watch them again, or you won't bother looking up, and you'll, you won't get these little things. But a good film, you want to go back and see these connections, these these links to the story. Right. If it keeps you thinking about it, I think that's the mark of a, a great movie or a TV show or whatever it is. Right, yeah. If it keeps you thinking about it. Even if you first watch it and you think, I don't know if I really like that movie. If it's still on your mind a month later, then yeah. I think that it did its job it's clearly a good piece of art well i mean i i, I yeah I, I would agree and i think like for example like the film that i watched just because uh, ten it wasn't actually the first film i saw in theater since covid <laughs> it was the gentleman i mean that for me that was mm-hmm. one of the films which you know it sort of stuck with me over the last month it was such a good film so uh, yeah absolutely i would agree yeah. so we're at the end here. I think I'm going to go ahead and give it my yes. Carson rating scale <laughs> rating. Um, so I'm going to explain my ratings here. Basically, it's 1 to 10. If it's a 1, basically the movie is like an insult to humanity. It shouldn't exist. <laughs> Hopefully a we'll two, never review one of those. <laughs> right. A, a 2 is basically, yeah, there's, there's no reason that movie should exist. A three is like this movie is just so bad and stupid. These these are things I don't usually do because I don't, you know, usually seek to watch movies that are. <laughs> um, like a three is like I started it, I thought maybe it was okay, and yeah. I didn't want to finish it, which has only happened like once or twice. But um, a four is like all around. It's not a good movie. Not really worth the time it takes. It's not quite disgusting as a one, so to speak. <laughs> but four is like, there's no need to watch this movie. A five, I would say, is something you could watch on TV. It's kind of worth the time going through it. It's not the worst, um, but it's not really worth spending money on to go see in a theater. A six, I would say, is something that you go to the theater, you see it, you enjoy it. That's about it. It's good, and that's about it. Like it, I don't feel like I wasted my money, but you know, I'm not gonna go out to people and say, "Oh, you got to go to the theater to see this movie." Yeah, yeah. A, a seven is where most movies fall in, and these aren't like exactly equal right so all sevens are not equal you know all these numbers are not equal they're just general guidance for how much i think a movie's worth basically so seven is like you go to the theater and wow that's a really good movie i enjoyed seeing that i would recommend it to a friend had a great time paying to see it at a theater an eight is like you get out of that movie and you think wow that's great that was a great movie basically one of the the better movies of the year a nine is pretty much all around a perfect movie and the difference between a nine and a ten is that a ten is like 
it's perfect, but it's something a little extra special. Like it's the best of its genre. It's the best of the decade or something, or it's like something that, a of course, film. it's my rating. So it's something that I thought really like spoke to me. Yeah. For whatever reason, you know, like um, Mad Max Fury Road is a 10. I think it's the best action movie in the last maybe ever but definitely since like 2000 um and uh interstellar is another 10 because the genre already appealed to me and i thought it was just so perfectly done so things like that so a 10 is extremely rare a nine is basically perfect movie and eight is very good it's less common seven is where most movies fall in six is like okay it was worth going to see in the theaters five worth watching on tv but not spending money and anything below that is just trash trash yeah <laughs> hopefully none movie? of them will ever happen <laughs> right for tenet i think a movie like this would benefit from me watching again mm-hmm. so i might change this over time but right now i'm thinking a seven or an eight um so i'm not quite settled in i want to say an eight but Again, because it wasn't one of my favorite Nolan movies or my favorite action movies. I think just because it it has so much detail that I'd have to go back and watch. I think it's between a seven and an eight for me right now. So I want to say eight, but if I were to have to write something down now, I'd probably just say seven. Yeah, I think, I mean, based on your scale, I mean, if it were up to me, I would probably do seven. Would be my yes. yeah. I'll try to go see it again. Hopefully, I can improve the rating because I want to. Because yes. <laughs> it seems like something that I should really appreciate more. But um, I do recognize that for a lot of people, they're probably just not gonna enjoy it so much if they have to work that hard to understand a movie. You know what right. I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. People want to go to some people want to go to the theaters and just that that hour and a half or two hours is just watch it and then they don't think about it again and that's yeah, time to relax not homework you know? yeah yeah exactly but um <laughs> so that's uh that's what we've got for tenant yeah. where you get a seven and yeah. i definitely think it's worth going to see in the theater if theaters are open near you definitely go out and see it if you can i definitely think it's worth being the first movie to open up once theaters are starting to open up again in places like Texas and the rest of the states. So, yeah, overall, good movie. Yeah. And definitely enjoyable, definitely a lot you could get out of it. Yeah, I, I would agree with all of that. <laughs> all right. Well, oh, if fun. you listen all the way to the end, thank you for listening. Please uh, spread the word. Help us get this podcast off the ground, and we'll see you next time. Yeah, well, good to, good to speak to you over it. <laughs> good to speak to you, too. See you some sometime in the future, Yan. Or maybe, if we're inverted, I'll see you in the past. Yes, sir. <laughs>